A man once came to Jesus with a burning question. It plagued him, kept him up at night. This man seemed to have it all. He had youth, he had power, he had wealth. But despite all this, one thing nagged at him every day. He'd poured over the Old Testament law. He'd quizzed the religious leaders. But still, he hadn't found an answer. Then he heard about this new teacher traveling around Israel, causing a bit of a stare. A wise man, by all accounts. Maybe Jesus could answer his question. And so he comes to Jesus, pushes his way to the front of the line, falls to his knees. Teacher, teacher, he cried. Am I good enough? Am I good enough? That was the question that caused him grief. Am I good enough? Have I ticked all the right boxes? Jesus, am I good enough? Have I met God's standards? Am I good enough? Will I be rewarded with eternal life? Am I good enough? He tried so hard to be a morally upstanding individual. Ever since he was a boy, you might describe him as scrupulous. He kept all the rules, even those weird ones in Leviticus about spots and mold. But some doubt remained in his mind. He just, he just couldn't be sure that he'd made the grade. What if there was something missing? So he came to Jesus with his question. Am I good enough? Why come to Jesus? Well, he'd heard the stories. Illnesses healed. Demons banished. Lives changed. This guy had God on his side. If there was anyone that you could ask what it meant to be good, it was this man. So he waits, he waits for an answer. Am I good enough? How would Jesus respond? Have you kept the commandments? Jesus asked him. Which ones? Let's see. You shall not murder. Check. You shall not commit adultery. Check. You shall not steal. Check. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Check and check. All of them. I've kept all of them, Jesus. Am I good enough? Now, these are the questions he'd hoped Jesus would ask him. He was deep down kind of glad that Jesus didn't get to that one about coveting. But, you know, if he was being honest, he was, he was better than most people that he knew. Just one more thing then, Jesus says. What is it? Tell me and I'll go and do it. Then I can put a big tick in that box as well and be satisfied. Then I'll be good enough. You earn a lot of stuff, right? Jesus said. Get rid of it all. Sell everything. Your house, 
your land, your fancy clothes, and give the money away to the homeless and the hungry, and then come with me and preach the good news. Well, this was totally unexpected, completely out of left field. Are you kidding, Jesus? That's, that's not fair. That's not one of the requirements of the law. Where, where's that? Show me that in the Old Testament. I, I give my 10% to the temple. I've worked hard for that stuff. Show, show me chapter and verse. Why I should give it all away. Now I'm, I'm speculating there, of course. Matthew doesn't give us that, that level of detail. But he tells us that the conversation ends with Jesus' request. And the man goes away sad. His, his question had been answered, I suppose. Was he good enough? No. But he was asking totally the wrong question. And Jesus uncovers the fact that this man's whole concept of goodness was twisted. Now, goodness is the, the sixth fruit of the Spirit mentioned by Paul in his letter to the Galatians. And it's the one we're exploring today as we continue in our summer series. So what is goodness? I mean, just in everyday life, we use the word good for a, in a lot of different ways, don't we? We might call something good which is, um, which is suitable or fit for purpose. You know, you might have uh, a good pair of shoes or, you know, a good surfer or something like that. Or we, we might rate something as good. A good movie, um, a good sermon, maybe. Um, or a school might get a good Ofsted rating, with apologies to any teachers uh, for just raising your blood pressure there. We, we might also say that someone is good at something, you know, they, they excel in a particular field. Someone might be uh, good at their job, or you might be good at football, or uh, good at knitting, I don't know. Uh, these are some common ways we speak of goodness. But even when it comes to defining the word goodness as it's used in Galatians and, and in other parts of the Bible, um, when I looked in my commentaries and, and Bible dictionaries and things like that, I found about as many definitions as there were authors. Some talked about uh, goodness as a kind of moral virtue or excellence, um, often contrasted with evil, good and evil, keeping God's commandments, I suppose you could say. Uh, others went more down the line of, of kindness and generosity, being good to other people. Um, some of them defined goodness as integrity, so being the, the same person in uh, different situations. And I think all, the, these all do grasp something of, of the truth of what goodness is. Um, it's, it's kind of a rich concept, isn't it, that you can look at from different angles. Uh, but instead of trying to like pin down a, a single definition, uh, what I want to do today is to think about what this man in our story got wrong uh, about goodness and, and what we can get wrong about goodness when we ask that question that he did, am I good enough? But goodness is not a human idea. It's not, it's not just something that we've uh, thought up. It starts with God. Uh, so we're going to start there too. Uh, and, and then, yeah, we'll get into some of the ways that, that we can twist uh, that concept of goodness. So goodness begins with God because 
He is the source of all goodness. God is good. He couldn't be anything other than good. He, he defines what good is. And when we say God is good, we don't mean, uh, you know, a step below excellent. Uh, I remember one of the kids at, at Forge um, asking me once, why, why do we call God good? Why don't we like call him great or fantastic or something? I thought that was a really, really thoughtful question. But when we talk about God being good, we don't mean like there's room for improvement. You know, God is like four stars. Um, what we're talking about is his, his unwavering tendency to be, to be kind and, and benevolent towards uh, people. All that, he do, all that he does is good. And this goodness is at the very core of his being. And God has always been good. He's always been perfectly good. When there was nothing but God, the father was pouring out his goodness towards his son. The son was pouring out goodness towards the spirit. The spirit was pouring out goodness towards the father and, and back round the other way as well. Each expressed goodness outwardly to the others in, in kind of infinite measure. And it was a goodness that couldn't be contained, a river that burst its banks. And, and what did God do with that overflow? Well, he brought into being a universe. His goodness found new outward expression in creation, an extravagant creation full of, of beauty and wonder and delight. And, and so the repeated refrain that we read in Genesis 1, it was good. It was good. It was very good. Because how could it be anything other than good when it was created by the source of goodness itself? Even after man turned inwards and rejected God's goodness, God continued to be good towards us. Despite that infection of evil, the sun continued to shine, the rain continued to fall, the ground kept producing food, man kept breathing and loving and creating and enjoying. And God's goodness is not just overflowing, but it is contagious as well. One author describes it as yeasty. God's goodness is yeasty because it spreads out and impacts everything it touches. And, and so his goodness was extended to Israel in particular so that they might extend it to the nations and be good for a fallen world. And there, there were some bumps in the road, you might say, but, but out of Israel came Jesus, God the Son in the flesh, whose abundant and boundless goodness impacted so many people's lives and which led him to the cross. Uh, just as one example, um, I was reading recently the, at John chapter 2, the wedding at, at Cana where Jesus turns water into wine and, and someone works out that Jesus uh, basically created about 1,000 bottles of wine. A thousand bottles of the best wine you'd ever tasted. He, did, he didn't need to do that. He could, he could have made a few bottles of mediocre wine, but no. He created 1,000 bottles of the best wine anyone had ever tasted in their lives. That, that is the kind of goodness um, th that Jesus showed. 
And as Jesus hung on the cross, as he hung there naked and broken and forsaken, God's goodness to his people eclipsed even that goodness that he showed to his own son as he called people to come to him through Jesus' blood and enjoy his goodness forever. And those who did follow him became super spreaders. They became yeasty carriers of this goodness to Israel and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and God continues to work in all things for the good of those who love him. And his people continue to do good for the world. And this is God's unstoppable purpose that one day everything will be filled with his goodness and his goodness will be beautifully reflected back to him. And as the source of all goodness, he will get the glory. That is just a, a, a taster of God's perfect goodness. I really haven't done it justice in those few minutes but but it kind of gives us a bit of a foundation as, as we think about how we uh, twist the concepts of goodness so uh, yeah so let's see how that question am I good enough comes from a, a, a yeah a twisted idea of goodness uh, and I've got three ways um, that, that this question gets goodness wrong so first of all goodness is not about me goodness is not about me by asking the question am i good enough the rich man is shining the spotlight on himself isn't he have i done enough to get the benefits i desire goodness begins and ends with him maybe you can think of of someone like that someone who thinks they're good but whose goodness is very kind of self, self-centered. Someone who is less concerned with being kind and generous, but more concerned with strictly keeping to the rules. Maybe they have um, an air of smugness or superiority about them. Lord, forgive me when that is, that is my attitude. But maybe there are other more subtle ways that we can make goodness about us as well. Maybe we're looking for some quid pro quo, you know, doing good uh, so that when we're in need, others will help us out. We might do good deeds to fit in with a crowd. We might do them to be liked by people. We might do it for the sense of purpose and meaning that it gives us. Or maybe we just like feeling good about ourselves or or we dislike the, the opposite. We dislike the, the guilt, the sense of guilt if we don't feel good enough. So we kind of do it to ease our conscience. A friend once told me that some time ago she'd volunteered um, at a charity shop. Um, she used to go in every Saturday morning, even if it had been a, a, you know, a heavy night the night before, um, to do this unpaid work. And she absolutely hated it. But she did it anyway. She stuck it out. For a whole year and she said to me that's that's pretty good right if there's a god and i have to meet him when i die i'm gonna be all right well i think i think there's a few misguided things there that, that we might pick up on but i just want you to notice how this act of goodness or supposed goodness was was for her a means to an end she wanted to to 
I don't know, ease her conscience, alleviate some guilt, um, you know, but book her, book her ticket into heaven. It was all about her. So it, yeah, it's worth checking our motivations for doing good because we can so easily make it about us. And, and we've already seen that goodness doesn't begin with us because God is the source of all goodness, but it doesn't end with us either. Remember how goodness works? It is outward looking. It's benevolent. It's, it's contagious. It's yeasty. It's never about me. It's always about other people. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. So this is the idea of, of someone or something being good for someone. I don't know if your parents ever told you to, um, to stop hanging around a particular friend because they weren't good for you. Do you ever have that? Um, what about foods? We often, we often categorize foods based on you know, whether they're good for you or not. Are they, you know, full of vitamins and, and things? Or are they full of sugar and, and salt and saturated fat? Um, good people are those who others benefit from being around. They are good for others. The Bible commentator Warren Wearsby says that the fruit of the spirit is meant to be eaten. So that, that means that other people get to reap the benefits of, of our goodness and of our expressions of all the fruits of the Spirit. So goodness is not a means to an end. And in fact, goodness is the purpose for which God has created us and saved us. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 says, um, you might remember this from the, from the little song we did um, uh, it was probably a couple of years ago now, but it's it's stuck in my head anyway. Um, we are God's masterpiece. We are His handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared, pre- prepared in advance for us to do. So goodness is our purpose. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And so, am I good enough is not the right question to be asking. It makes goodness all about me and the end I'm seeking rather than the good that's being done for others. But secondly, goodness is not a bar to reach. Uh, I don't know if you know the name Sergei Bubka. If you're a sports fan, maybe maybe you do. He was a, a Ukrainian uh, pole vaulter in the 80s and 90s, uh, but he had a bit of a problem. And his problem was that he was too good. Okay, how, how can you be too good? I mean, he, he won six consecutive world championships. He won an Olympic gold medal. Um, I think he missed a couple of others because of injuries. Why was that a problem? Well, the problem was that, that most players, most, most um, athletes made most of their money from sponsorship deals and the sponsors would pay bonuses based on wins. But no one would sponsor Sergei Bubka because he was... Or they wouldn't sponsor him with win bonuses because he was nailed on to win every competition that he participated in. So Knight came up with this new idea, a world record bonus instead. So they incentivized him to, to go and uh, break the world record, which w- wasn't necessarily nailed on every time. And every time he broke the world record, he'd get a big payout 
Um, reportedly, it was $100,000 a time. Um, this was, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Um, so he took them up on the offer and he milked it. He really milked it because he knew that to break the world record, how do you break the world record in pole vault? Well, you go one centimeter higher than the previous world record. He, he had the world record already and, and that's exactly what he did. Competition after competition, put the bar one centimeter higher and he jumped it. Everyone knew that he could jump way higher than that, but he just went up one centimeter at a time and getting the, getting the bonus every time. He actually broke the world record 35 times in his career, including 14 times in just two years. Uh, I don't know how many of them resulted in a, in a payout from Nike. Um, but he knew he could jump higher, but why, why would he go as high as possible? It would only make the next record attempts more difficult, wouldn't it? So he just, he did the minimum that he needed to do to get his payout and went home and see him next time. I mean, that, that is kind of genius, isn't it? Uh, I, I think that is just, you know, good business, really. Um, but how does it relate to goodness? Well, if we're asking the question, am I good enough? We're essentially asking God to set us a bar, aren't we? A minimum requirement to reach. Am I good enough? Wants to know how far I need to go so that I can go that far and no further. Well, you can see how that will lead to a, a pretty stingy kind of goodness in us. It's as if goodness is, good deeds are like, uh, you know, the, that horrible task on your to-do list or an exam that, that you just need to pass. We keep asking the question, am I good enough? And once we've ticked it off, once we've got the passing mark we need, we'll stop there. Do you see how that's the total opposite of God's goodness? How far does God's goodness go? It goes infinitely far, doesn't it? Giving his only son to redeem those who hated him far. Working out all things for our good far. The rich man wanted Jesus to set him a bar so that he might just hop over it, get eternal life without exerting himself more than necessary. He wanted to know the least good that he could do to get the outcome that he wanted. But Jesus responds that true goodness knows no limit. Instead, it's, it's overflowing and abundant, reflecting our extravagantly good creator God. This is not being good enough, but being good to the max. Thirdly then, and finally, goodness is not just about behavior. It's not just about behavior. This is the difference between something which is outside in and something which is inside out. Outside in says, if I perform good actions, I'll be regarded as a good person. But inside out says, if my heart is good, good actions will follow. 
Now, I think the man who came to Jesus, he, he seemed to have an outside-in mindset, didn't he? His focus was very much on external obedience. If he could do the right things, like honour his father and mother, and avoid the wrong things, like murder, stealing, adultery, then he could call himself good, and he could probably convince others uh, that he was good as well. But he had quite a superficial view of sin, I think, and a superficial view of goodness, uh, that it was all about what's on the outside. When Jesus tells him to give everything away, he exposes this, doesn't he? Even though his actions seem to be, you know, on the right lines, his heart was a million miles away. And I think that is what Jesus is doing when he tells him to, to go and sell everything and give it away. He's exposing that, that heart in him. Of course, goodness does include external obedience. It's active. And just as we've seen that God's goodness is active, there must be visible fruit on the outside, but it doesn't begin there. It begins in the heart. God's good actions are the natural overflow of his goodness, his inherent goodness. It's not an effort for God to be good. He, he just is. It's his default setting. It pours forth from his inmost being. God is good. He loves to do good. He loves to do good to his creation and especially to his people. And, and he loves it when his people take that goodness and spread it around, doing good for, for other believers and doing good for the world. But you might be thinking at this point, well, who is capable of this kind of goodness? I know I'm not. Who is good except God alone? Which one of us has this natural inclination to be extravagantly good? Even, even to our friends, never mind our enemies. Which of us does good things with utterly pure motives and 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 those are totally fair questions none of us is god the natural overflow of our hearts is not always good at least i know that mine is, isn't and it is right to repent of our flawed and and mixed motives in doing good i think um yeah when we have opportunities to do good but but don't take them when our goodness is is a little bit stingy it's good to repent when we notice those things but do remember as well that the fruit of the Spirit is not a list of commandments for us to keep. It's more, it's more like a promise. It is the fruit that grows in the life of a person who has the Spirit living in them. Not theoretically, not potentially, but really, actually, even inevitably. And isn't that exciting? As, as we are led by the Spirit, the fruit of goodness will for certain be growing in us. That is, that is the promise of Galatians 5. So I guess my, my main application is, is look out for it. Notice God doing that work in you. When your heart is inclined to, to do good to others, don't ask the question, am I good enough 
what what is the what is the minimum I can get away with but but strive to do good to the max take those opportunities to you know help someone in need to do good to a neighbor to give generously to go above and beyond in your work to improve your community spread god's goodness around be be yeasty and and look out for for growing goodness in one another as well that that's a great thing isn't it rejoice when you see that fruit in your brothers and sisters uh, tell them about it encourage them with it and give god the glory for for all of this and praise him that he always takes the opportunity to do extravagant good to us and, and to all his people and, and especially that he did so on the cross. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your infinite and, and bountiful and extravagant goodness that that knows yeah knows no bounds that overflowed into creation uh, that, that overflows to uh, yeah to us to your children to your people um, thank you for all the good that you do for us and thank you for the goodness that you are growing in us by the spirit um, yeah father would we be more and more reflecting uh, your goodness um, doing good to others uh, and to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.